0: Uh, Earlier this year, we uh, were in South Africa for a few weeks and uh, had uh, some conferences and church that we spoke at. Uh, The first church we spoke at uh, this year was a Methodist church, and it was was this beautiful facility. And we had a great time with these people, and God did some wonderful things in in, in their hearts and the marriages and stuff. And uh, the pastor and his wife and his family were really cool people. And, you know, there's people that you just click with right away. You just, you know, you can connect with, and, and they were great. And uh, we were talking. He said, you know, we're coming to this, you know, Chicago uh, in August. I said, well, when you come, let us know. We'd like to have you come out. We're going to put you to work. So they did, and he's here this morning. Gary and his wife, Jacqueline, run around somewhere out there. She didn't want to hear him for the third time. I don't know why. But uh, anyway, would you please welcome my good friend, Gary Rivas, who's going to come minister to us. <laughs> We'll even let Methodists in here. Praise God. There you go. Praise the Lord. Morning, everyone. So good to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Mark uh, underplays. Um, Jackie was just telling him um, uh, last night. Uh, a woman on the Friday went to the divorce courts to, um, to have her divorce finalized. And she got there and there was a power outage. And uh, so they couldn't issue her with a decree of divorce. And she came to the seminar Friday night uh, that was in January, and she said to you that Jackie did the rededication of their marriage vows uh, a short while ago <laughs> of this uh, this couple It was an amazing amazing thing so um, it 's great to be here. thank you so much for the invitation. I do appreciate it there was this uh, the Pope passed away all of us suddenly and arrived at heaven in heaven and um, You know, sort of, hey, and St. Peter said to him, hey man, your house is up the road. So he goes, well, obviously he didn't have time to prepare any form of sort of celebration for me arriving, so they're going to do something later. So he bursts through the front door of the house, and there's a guy there goes, hey Pope, your room's a second on the left. He's feeling quite offended at this stage. I mean, seriously, he's the Pope. And so... Gets into his room. There's a guy lying there. He goes, "Hey, you, the third bed on the right. You got the top bunk." So he's sort of just lying back, chilling in the house. And uh, next minute, out from the window, he hears this 10,000-strong choir. "Glory, hallelujah!" There's trumpets. There's hops. There's drums. There is everyone's going crazy. Massive, big welcoming party. He looks out the window, and he sees a Methodist pastor has just died and has arrived in heaven he's like what is going on here he's furious he storms out the house rushes down to the gates taps on saint peter's shoulder and goes what's the deal i'm the pope die come to heaven not even hello how do you do this methodist pastor dies and everyone goes crazy saint peter says to him listen yeah, man there have been a few popes he's the first methodist pastor that's made it (laughs) you're really not meant to laugh at that seriously i mean it's like so in the in the time that I have, um, I've, I've I've been thinking through the church and that in the life of of Christ followers, and um, and I am I'm, I'm getting amazed at how it is we seem to have desensitized issues of sin, and how sin doesn't seem to be sin anymore. I don't know what it's like here in South, in in America, but in in South Africa. Um, you know, we we have come completely desensitized to to the harsh realities of sin and what sin does to us and what sin is doing to the world. And so we'll end up preaching and teaching on a whole lot of things, but we dare not speak around issues of sin or calling sin what it really is. So I, I, I'm from Johannesburg, uh, which is in the sort of central part of of, uh, of South Africa. But down on the East Coast, uh, we, Jackie and I ministered in a church in a, in a town called East London. And very near East London is, uh, an, uh, is a place called the Trans Sky. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of Africa. Uh, beautiful hills, rolling mountains. It's, it's, it's spectacular. Uh, it's very rural. And, and we have uh, a friend who lived in the Transkei, uh, part of the Koza people. And he, they tell a story uh, within their culture uh, that goes something like this. There's this. There was this kid who had an affinity with animals, loved animals, any form of animal, animal possible. Man, he just loved being out in nature, loved being with animals. And the one day this kid comes walking into the village and he's carrying... A little lion cub in his arms now in Africa there are plenty of lions and hopefully you've seen lions and more than just on Discovery Channel but this little lion cub is the cutest thing you've ever seen in fact if you know lion cubs they're actually like little kittens because you can play around with them you know and so this they scratching his tummy and playing with its ears and he's sort of clawing them and purring and and sort of biting them with little teeth and stuff like that. I mean, and really, and these kids are loving this little lion cub. It's the cutest thing you have ever seen. This old man comes up to him and says to him, you need to be careful. And they're, ah, oh, keep quiet, old man, what do you know? This, this lion cub runs down to the river, plays in the river with the kids, comes up to where the mother's preparing food and uh, they would eat off the, eat off the scraps that fo- fell on the floor. Uh, we'd go to where the men at night would get a whole fire going, be drinking some of the local beer, and we'd tell stories and traditions. And the lion cub would lie its back, sort of in the warmth of this fire. Well, as the years go by, this lion gets bigger and bigger and bigger, adopted by the village. It becomes this beautiful specimen of, it, of an animal, huge broad shoulders, massive big paws, massive beautiful strong face, uh, just incredible. Now, this animal, <clears throat> this lion, who's now not a, a lion cub anymore, uh, would, would have its favorite game with its friend, who's now sort of a teenager, would be that the teenager would run and then the lion would stalk him. And then find him and sort of jump on him and that sort of wrestle and that. And then, and then, the, then the lion would go <clears throat> and the kid would sort of stalk him and then jump on him when he found him and stuff like that out in the bush. Loved it. But one day the kid's running away from the lion, from its mate that, they've bo- that he's bonded with. And as he's running, he trips over a rock. And he looks down as he's sitting there and he see that he's gashed his whole shin open. And he's bleeding. So next thing the lion gets to him, and starts sniffing the blood. And something starts going on in this, <clears throat> in this lion's mind. The sort of the smell. And next thing, the lion starts licking the blood. And not only the smell, but now the taste. And before you knew it, this lion attacked and kills its friend. So the villagers are busy doing their thing that day. And as they look up to the top and there's a dusty road coming into the village. They see this lion coming in with the body of its friend in its mouth. So the children panic and they run down to the river. But the lion knows the deal and attacks them. The mothers run to where they prepare the food. But the lion knows the deal. And the men run to the flame. And they start stoking the flame for the fire for some flames to chase the lion away. But it's too late and before you know it this village is completely devastated Now, when they talk about this this friend of mine's uh, they, they speak about how sin is really like that lion you see in the beginning in the beginning we entertain it and we say things like i'm in control I know what's going on. Sometimes we even think that sin is fun and cute and cuddly. But it has the potential to devour us. How do I know that? Well, I know it because I'll sit with someone in my office who's completely devastated. And he will tell me how his wife has left him because he had an affair with someone at the office. And we will say, how did it happen? And he'll tell me how he started working in the office and he had this connection with this woman. As it happens. And in the beginning, there'd be light banter and conversation. He knew. He knew. But he was in control. And so... It continued. And they had more and more opportunity to, to have a conversation. And then the one day he tells me, You're standing at the water cooler getting some water in the office. And the lady walked past him. And as she walked past him, he, he hit her on the. I don't want to say I are in church. He hit, he hit her on the. Nah, it's too late now. He hit her on the bum as she walked past. And you know what? She didn't say a word. In fact, she laughed. And he thought. And so a little while later, there was a Friday night office party. You know what they do. These office parties, weekends away to build, so-called build relationship and team spirit. Rubbish. And so the Friday night, his spouse is not there. Her spouse is not there. And so they have too much to drink, whatever. And then then he says to her, I'll take you home. Takes her home. Husband's actually out of town. Ends up going in. And the next morning, he's, he's racked with guilt. And so he tells his wife, the thing is with his wife is that she grew up with a father who had multiple affairs. And so she said, the one, the, just the once that my husband cheats on me, he's out. And so now I'm, I'm gone. And he's in my office, broken. But if you rewind the story, in the beginning, he was playing with it. Entertaining it. Saying... I'm in control. So you'll speak to people who are, on, who, who, are, who are on drugs, and I'll tell you where it started. It was something that they were in control of. Someone who's stolen money. Like I was saying in the earlier, you know, I, I used to steal money from my, you know, my mom's pursenet when I was a kid. Did, he, did any of you do that? Come on. Please don't let me be the only one here today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You don't have to put anything on the offering plate later on. So, um... <laughs> So the, I know this guy, I visiting him in prison, he's, he's taking money and, um, <clears throat> when he was a kid. Then he started stealing money, stealing chips and cool drink at the, at the convenience store. Then he, and, and he never got caught. He was in control. And when he found a job one day, the first thing they did was put him in charge of petty cash. And then before you had to steal money to put money back in the petty cash, and before you knew it, he's in jail because of a, a multi-million rand fraud. Where did it start? Now, I'm not saying everyone who takes a bit of money from their parent and anyone who, 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 where there's a connection or starts off having a cigarette or having a beer is going to end up. But you must understand, the scripture says that the, that the devil is like a prowling lion, ready to devour. And the stuff that we play around with, if we don't call it what it is, has the potential to devour us. Know that now. So part what I want to speak about today is, um, is this thing around sin and i'm gonna i've used it uh, i'd like to use it as an acronym this morning and i'd like to speak about each letter and what it represents you see the s in sin speaks about the fact that when we sin it separates us from god people come to me and they say to me gary i'm feeling so far away from god i feel that when i'm praying my my prayers hitting the ceilings it just i just feel like i've lost something and, and often the, one of the first things I'll say to them is I'll say to them, tell me about the sin in your life. Because it's impossible to live in a joyous relationship with God while we're entertaining sin. It's impossible to, we can fake it. we I can come to church and lift the hands and stomp our feet and clap hands and do whatever else to, to put off this image that we have of our faith. But the reality is this, if we are entertaining sin in our life, it separates us from God. It's very difficult to open up the word. It's very difficult to spend some time in prayer. It's very difficult to, 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 to do all of that, knowing that we're living in habitual sin. That we're waking up in the morning and, and specifically are involved in a specific sin. It separates us from God the scriptures are clear about it in, in in Isaiah 59 surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor is ear too dull to hear but your sin has separated you from your God your sins have hidden his face from you and he will not hear you and, and, and I want to make this impassionate plea to you today to understand That part of the reason why we're not living victorious lives and abundant lives as Christ followers is because we are entertaining stuff in our life that we should not be entertaining. And you may say to me, Gary, I'm not an adulterer. I haven't stolen money, whatever the case may be. But you know, when we gossip about other people, when we we tell so-called white lies... When we, when we worship things and people above god when we stingy or greedy and and this is what happens we become desensitized and part of what i'd ask you today for those here today who are christ followers is a simple question when is the last time you broke your heart over sin that you've committed when is the last time you shed a tear Or had any sense of a broken heart. Because the stuff that you and I have done against God. Against the living God. It might have been a long time for you and for me because we've desensitized ourselves. And as we do that, we separate ourselves from God according to the scriptures. And I'm just asking today that you and I would have a reality check. And call sin what it is. The second thing is the, is the I. Now, when I think about the I, I, I realize really the issue of the problem. That the issue of sin is me. I. I, I we live in a, in, a, in a generation of what I call the blame game. You know, what, you know, the reason why I'm a mess is because of my parents. I mean, really get over it. The reason why things are happening in my life is because of other people. Because I was dealt a raw deal. You know, we worship the living God. And, and we need to stop putting the blame on other things. And because we, it, we, when we as a world become so wrapped up in who we are and my needs and my desires and my agenda, we end up. So the reason why we're in, in, in an economic situation that we are at the moment is because there were way many people who got too greedy. But you and I see it every day. But we also see the, and I'm asking that we would see the role that we play in the sin. In sin. And, and we have to start looking at ourselves and saying, you know, what is it about me that is being entertained by these things? And the, the thing is this, the essence of Christianity is a, is, a, is a God who lived for others and who died for others. And so we as Christians have to somehow turn the spotlight off us. And when we become servants, and when we become people who love God, love others, and then love ourselves last, we make the world a better place. Do, Do you know people that are whiners? I don't know if you call them whiners in America, but people who just moan all the time. Like incredibly negative people. It's like, it feels like they suck the energy out of you and the life out of you. And, and can I just maybe, I don't know you, and know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ever coming back here, so I can pretty much say this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but can I tell you, if you're a whiner and incredibly negative pe- person, we know who you are. <laughs> and we actually don't want to be around you. But people who are incredibly negative and who moan all the time, are people whose lives are wrapped around themselves. And they, the essence of it is, when that happens, you, don't, it, it, you generally find people who don't appreciate anything they have. They don't appreciate anything that they have. People who are able to break the, 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 the cycle of I, and everything's about me, the first way to do it, is to begin by appreciating what you have and to find true joy. Joy, is, someone said, Jesus, others, and then yourself is a place that you'll find true joy. So we have a we have a, sort of an experiment or something that we do at my home church in Joburg and I'm hoping that you would be happy to have a bit of homework today. Is that okay? Would you be okay with that? Okay, this is your homework to eradicate the I and to eradicate everything being around what you don't have so what i'd like you to do is i'd like you to walk out into the parking lot after church today and i want you to stand in front of your car and i want you to say this it could be worse is that is that okay it could be worse you know i i, I know people in africa that walk for hours to get to church The the. There are a whole lot of people this morning who didn't have the luxury of getting into a car probably with air conditioning and take a drive through the suburbs to come to church there are people across the world who who are being persecuted today because of their faith and you and i get to get into a car most of us and have a relatively comfort drive to church so I'd like you to stand in front of your car and look at your car and go, man, it could be worse. Instead of saying, man, I wish I had another car, a better car or a more expensive car, just it could be worse than what I've got. And then when you go home, I'd like you to stand in your garden of your apartment or your house and look at your house and go, man, it could be worse. I know people back in Joburg who are living under bridges, who are homeless. I know people who don't have running water or electricity and do not have a roof over their head. And I'm just saying to you and to me, just appreciate what we have and have an attitude of gratitude. And so I'm not going to be, I don't know if I'm going to be around after the service to watch you, you know, doing that to the, because you said you would. Uh, you said you know but there is someone else that's going to be watching you i'm not mentioning names or anything like that so you said you're going to stand in front of your car and when you go home to stand in front of your house and go it could be worse and then for all the men here i want you to do this tomorrow morning when you wake up i want you to turn around to your wife (laughs) and i want you to say no (laughs) <laughs> rather don't, rather don't, rather don't. It's much better if you don't. And if anyone emails Mark after the service and comments on the sermon and says, well, it could have been worse, <laughs> I'm definitely not coming back again. Come on people, we, we this thing is robbing us of, of the true joy, this, this thing that our whole life has to wrap around ourselves. I, mean, I don't have to tell you how many marriages are being ruined because the one is going man this is all about me i can't tell you how many times i've sat in trying to reconcile people and, and, they, and they talk about the issues that they're facing you not know, once do they say where is it they to blame it's all about the other person quite depressed right now if you think because this message is but, but if you think about it the thing about christianity is this don't we live for the good news and we live because of the good. and the thing that 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 differentiates Christianity from every other faith is the gospel, of good news of love and grace. And this is the good news. See, the good news is found in the end. Yes, I'm aware that sin separates us from God. Yes, I know it's a, that that sin really is around the decisions that you and I make. But the end is the good news because the end says, according to Romans chapter eight, that nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ. Nothing. No matter what you and I do, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. So let me give you an example. So my birth mother fell pregnant with me. She wasn't married. Hardly knew my birth father. And when she went to him and said to him that she was pregnant, I can't really repeat today. He said to her. So she had to make a call between aborting me or giving me up for adoption. So she decides to give me up for adoption. And I want to tell you the people who adopted me are the most amazing people you have ever met. Ever. Incredible parents to me. And they told me the story of the one Saturday morning they got this phone call from child welfare going, There's a there's a boy. Do you want him? And my mom tells me how her and my dad got into the car and drove down to Child Wealth and they they walked into this room, massive big room, and there were a whole lot of cots in the room. And they walked up to this cot. And in this cot was the most gorgeous, beautiful, (laughs) stunning little baby boy, gorgeous. And I was in the cot next to that one. and uh <laughs> and my my mom tells me how she picked me up now my birth mother i was the first of four children uh from four different men she gave me up for adoption this is my second boy she gave to the father just over a year later Th- two years after that the she had a girl gave that to the father and the last <clears throat> she eventually got married and had a kid she, my mother picked me up who adopted me and 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 she didn't say, "Oh man, you know you come from a rough family or background or whatever. My mom held me close as a baby, and she said to me she said to me, I'm gonna love you with everything I've got. I don't care about your birth, mother. I don't care where she comes from, I don't care." that she slept around I don't care that she had a not I don't don't care about anything I don't care about your past I don't care about your history I don't care about your lineage I don't care about anything I'm gonna love you like you've never ever been loved before I'm gonna pour out love on you I'm gonna bring you up in the way of God and 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 I'm And I'm going to demonstrate to you that I would in fact even be prepared to die for you. No matter where you've come from. Now if my birth mother, earthly mother, so if my earthly mother could pronounce that type of love over my life, can you imagine how much more God does that for us? And you need to hear this today, friends. That God comes to us and says to us, And he holds us close. Because the scripture says we all adopted children of God. And God holds you and I close and says, Gary, I don't care where you've come from. I don't care about your history. I don't care about your lineage. I don't care about about the sin that you've committed. I don't care about how far you may have been away from me. I love you no matter what. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. In fact, I'm going to show you how much I love you by, in fact, even dying for you. And does this make sense? Of, w- of what God does for us, no matter what? Would you mind coming up to the stage for a moment? Do you mind? What is your name? Travis, Travis. give Travis a round of applause. <laughs> so, so this is the deal. This is, this is actually what happens. Do you want to come stand over here, Travis? Thanks, buddy. Okay, no, you've got to face me. Okay, good job. So I want you for a crazy moment to imagine that Travis is God. Okay, I mean, that's really a crazy moment. Okay. <laughs> so this is the deal. When I sin... When I sin, I am effectively turning my back on God. Am I right? We choose to go against God, and so we, 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 we separate it from God because of our sin. Then we get to that place, that crazy understanding of how much God loves us, God's grace, God not really our past is God loves us no matter what. And we have this moment which could be today for you. Where we turn around and we desperately want to be close to God again. So what do we do? We pray, we go to church three times a day, we uh, repent, we do all of these things to try and work our way back so that we can be close to God again. Am I right? But you're wrong. You're actually wrong. Because what happens is we turn our back on God, yes, and we try our best to get away from God. But in fact, what happens is... We get to this place, yes, where we realize we've messed up and we realize how much God loves us. And this is the thing that happens. When we turn, in fact, God has not gone anywhere. Ever. Because the scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. I want to say this to you today is that if you today have come to a realization of your sin and your separation from God, and that your sin has messed you up. All it takes is for you to turn. And when you turn, God is there, ready, waiting, and in fact has never, ever stopped loving you, no matter what. No matter how much you may have hated yourself, no matter how much you have wanted to give up, God has never, ever left you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. So I'm going to close with a prayer. And my prayer is this. If you find yourself right now playing around with sin, stop right now before it kills you. Number two, if you're being devoured in this moment and you feel like it's too late, it's not. God is stronger and greater than anything that you've ever faced. And number three, God has never left you or forsaken you. Let's pray. So Father, go with us today, we pray in this moment. We thank you for the love of Jesus Christ that knows no end. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks everyone, appreciate it.